The Dynasty League is brought to you by MyBookie. Head over to MyBookie.ag for the friendliest lines across the internet or head over to DinesPressBox.com. Take in an article or two and use any of our pre-populated links. They've got first deposit bonuses, depending where you're situated in the world, whether you want matching bonuses or online casino credits, they've got a little bit of something for everyone. So head over to MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code DINESPORTS when you make that first deposit so they know who sent you. Back for another week. They didn't cancel us after the first episode, surprisingly. So we are being joined tonight once again by my co-hosts, one and only Eric Long. Hello. And Craig Anich. Hello. Eric, two for two on the waves to the camera so far. This will apparently just be a weekly reoccurrence. So I waved to the camera. So this will now be an ongoing, that'll be our bit. Not going where I waved to the camera, despite this being an audio only well we might not be back for a third episode folks. <laughs> last week though we went through the nfc north afc north and quarterbacks this week we are going through the dirty south afc south so colts texans titans jaguars and the nfc south reigning super bowl champion tampa bay buccaneers new Ooh. orleans carolina and atlanta and we're also going to be going through our top 10 running backs dark horse picks and who to stay away from to hopefully guide you guys to some fantasy football glory this season but because we've got a resident colts fan in house what better team to start with than the indianapolis colts and before i turn it over to you eric let's just quickly run through the injury reports coming out of indy faster than you can imagine went foot no timeline on that one quite yet their center, Ryan Kelly, elbow injury, no timeline on that. Guard, Quentin Nelson, just went down with a foot injury. Linebacker, Darius Leonard, out with an ankle injury. And defensive tackle, DeForest Buckner, another foot injury. So everything seems to be from the knee down out in Indy. What is happening at Lucas Oil Stadium these days? Not not the start you would want. No, it's not great. I mean, what can I say? It's It might be a tough start to the year. It was already going to be a tough start to the year, given their schedule. Maybe the, the pundits out there would say, if you're going to have some time to recover, maybe might as well be at a time where maybe you're only winning one, two games or two games. But on the flip side, if you're, if you're losing a lot of your primo starters on both sides, well, on both sides of the ball, starting 0-5 is not great. It would not be very, very good. I know yeah. it's a 17-game season now, but... Yeah, when did they play the Titans? At minus Buckner and uh, Leonard? <laughs> well, I mean, are these, are these all long-term injuries or what? I don't know. I don't know, but it's not okay. a good start. The way that Indy's medical staff is handling things, <laughs> who knows? Maybe this is just going to be yeah. a recurring thing. Who's who's their footwear uh, apparel sponsor? Is it Nike or Adidas? Or well, not anymore. Yeah, they need, might need to switch what's going on on their feet there with all these lower body injuries. But I guess the million dollar question right now is obviously Wentz was their big off season acquisition. He won't be under center come week one. Whether it's going to be a you know week twelve return or a week four return varying reports on that front but who is even going to start i mean as a colts fan they've got not a ton of options as far as experience in that qb room and they just brought in a 
journeyman quarterback to try and plug some holes there, but who are you even pulling for to be their signal caller to give them the best chance to win in week one? I, I honestly am, am on the boat of don't trade for a QB. I know a lot of people were, but I I do really want to see what Jacob Eason can do. You know, he's got a prototypical quarterback size. He's six foot six, he's a big boy, and he's got a rocket of an arm. I know that his you know, some other areas around the game were of concern, which is why he wasn't a, a super high draft pick. But my hope is that, you know, the, the exp- I know he wasn't taking many, many reps on the practice field with the first or second team last year, but I just want to see, given he got a year to learn the position at the NFL level, and then he got his training camp to put in that work to see if some of the issues that uh, made him a mid mid-round quarterback are are uh, going to be improved so that he can actually have some success on the field i i'm i i want to see that rather than the colts trade for a quarterback so you don't want nick Foles to come in and <laughs> is what you're saying that would shatter wentz's confidence <laughs> not again <laughs> when wentz is playing in some third division mexican <laughs> league or something next season if nick Foles comes in and yeah. wins another super bowl mvp in indianapolis <laughs> but like, Craig, let's maybe pitch it to you here from this front, though. Obviously, when the quarterback goes down, that has a huge effect on all the other fantasy positions on the field as far as wide receivers and tight ends and even the running game as well, too, especially when you're losing your starting center and guard. So if we just look at Pittman Jr., Campbell, and Pascal, who do you like out of them to possibly have a somewhat relevant fantasy season? Or are you just staying away from any of the Colts wide receivers? I'm probably staying away from them earlier on because, I mean, Eric would know more about what Easton has, but, I mean, and, like, at the very least, he'll get some first-team reps now. Like Eric was saying last year, not much, but at least with Wentz getting injured early, all training camp, he should be getting all first-team. And the fact that they haven't gone out and traded for a quarterback yet makes me think that he's not doing too bad. That could change, like, next week after a first preseason game kind of thing. You never know. I don't know. Pittman seems to be the guy that they might go to more often just because he's a little bit bigger and maybe more of those 50-50 balls that Easton could be more prone to throwing. Maybe he'll like those odds better, but I mean, it's too bad because Campbell and Pittman, those two guys are super talented and you just want them to get the ball in their hands as much as possible. Now, me, me coming from a, a, a place of severe bias. Yep, <laughs> do it. Here, I, I, I'm, of course, trying to trying to drum up any excuse I can as to why Jacob, I'm hopeful Jacob Eason will be successful. And, you know, one of, one of those reasons might be, if you look back at his, at his college days, he didn't have great wide receivers with him at, at Washington. There was a lot of drops. So I'm just hoping that, you know, NFL caliber wide receivers will be able to handle the fastball coming out of his, coming out of his hand. And now in, in regards to fantasy and, you know, positions taking a hit. Yeah, obviously, Jonathan Taylor might be knocked down a couple pegs, but if I'm in a keeper league, that might be good news for me so that I can get him maybe a round later. Maybe not necessarily a round later, but let's say if I'm picking later in my draft and he was a guy I wanted, might be a good might be a good uh, late first round pick now instead of a guy who was going to be gobbled yeah. up. Like he was going to be top five before this, right? So Also sprinkled in there, you've got T.Y. Hilton <laughs> and just a bit of a shell of his former self. Seems to be a boomer bust. He either hits pay dirt or 
Don't really pencil him in for too much. think there are more balls getting sailed over his head late season last year than him putting up fantasy points. But he'll have that weird stretch on any given season where he'll string together all of a sudden, whatever, four or five weeks where he's fantasy relevant again. But can you trust him? Like, Craig, is he someone that you're actually going to target as someone that you would actually roster week to week? Or is he someone who, hey, if he's still there late in the draft, like, I'll put him in as a bench stash, but I'm not actively looking to add T.Y. Hilton to my portfolio fantasy-wise. Yeah, again, there's probably going to sense a theme here. I targeted him last year, and I did not like him. <laughs> He's another year older now and still question marks at quarterback. Like, I mean, at the very least, Eason does have a stronger arm. He'll be able to actually throw it farther than 15 yards accurately, hopefully. Not like uh, Rivers there, but yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about him for sure. Like, I'd peg him in the same group as all the other culture wide receivers, but with less upside at this point of his career, so. But if you're in a, if you're in a 12-team league. Well, yeah, he's later around. And, and, sure. and, he's, and he's coming off the board in round 10. Again, that's that's a guy that I think would be a ter- terrific you know, wide receiver three for you, given the upside that he has, because right now he's, he's a cheap asset because of his last two years. So... As you pointed but out, that's also kind of trending too. It's two years now. As you pointed out, I mean, he was he was injured for one of those years, but I mean, he's not he he wasn't on pace to put up you know twelve hundred yards like he did regularly. But now that you have a guy who can launch the ball downfield to him, you know, yeah. before Ooh. we move on from the Colts here, though, are we a hundred percent sure? that we are not going to see Philip Rivers come out of retirement for a couple of weeks for spot duty. Like, are we 100% sold that him with whatever it is, 11 kids at home, haven't driven them crazy enough to maybe need, need a little daddy vacation mm-hmm. for four or five weeks away? Did he Did he not have a tweet like that recently? Like something along the lines of I'm not, I haven't completely closed the door? Yeah, but I, the door is closed. But. From, Indy, from Indy's perspective? <laughs> <laughs> Jacob is in the keys for now. Let's see what he can do. Don't. But if they need him, <laughs> don't. What if they? What if they need Philip Rivers? They're gonna call him up for two weeks. I mean, how much has the playbook really changed? Carson Wentz might be only might be only out for. I mean, uh, you know, wishful thinking says one game that he very well may only be out for two or three. What do they do? Sign a fifth quarterback? Do you think they told him to keep his phone on? <laughs> like just, just not yet, Rivers. But like, you know. Keep your phone with you. You know what? We'll see. We'll see what Eason can do in the preseason. I'm actually you're, you're an Eason believer, is what what I'm getting from this straight now. Well, no, yeah. not necessarily. I'm not. I'm not obviously sold. How, how many of his rookie cards are you sitting on right now? Is that what you're just trying to pump up his value preseason? No, <laughs> just, a mass mass exodus on eBay from Eric Long's no, account. No, I just I just want to see what he can do. I'd like to. You know, I'm I'm excited to see him in the preseason this this weekend, seeing what he can do against the second team and also you know i'm actually i i I do like sam ellinger also given that he's a six the six round pick he's been doing quite well but i don't think he should take the job from eason unless eason really really screws up and doesn't look good at all but given the circumstances i'm i'm content i'm happy with what we have to to replace carson once for now for now for now I'm, i'm happy enough to to and will that i'm willing to see it through as far as giving them a chance. Well, going from happy thoughts to absolute dumpster fire, the Houston Texans 2021, ladies and gentlemen. We might as well get this one out of the way with right away here. And I mean, today they, they just had all the tweets going out. Oh, Deshaun Watson was back at the facility again. 
He showed up, then he wasn't practicing, then he was practicing, then he wasn't practicing. He seems to be now talking to the coaching staff again. There's all sorts of rumors out there. Again, Philly kicking the tires on him, Denver kicking the tires on him. But as we near the actual start of the season, it's becoming less and less likely that we see him on another team, at least in a starting role. Like if he gets traded two, three weeks from now, it's going to take a while for him to get up to speed. So Deshaun Watson aside, whether he plays or not, if we're looking at this Houston Texans team from top to bottom, you can probably count on one hand and only need half of those fingers to figure out how many players are even remotely viable fantasy wise from this squad here. Like let, let, let me even put it to you this way. Is there another defense in the NFL that you would less like to have than to start the Houston Texans defense every single week? Not really. <laughs> you're just, you're just set up for like failure this year, man. It's just. Absolutely. And especially given the fact that God knows what's going to happen on offense there, they're probably going to be turning the ball over X number of times a game or at the best case scenario, giving the opposing team prime field position yeah. all the time. Like this could be a team that you, you want to make jokes about the Dallas Cowboys defense last year. Like, guess what this year, I think the Houston Texans could be taking the crown for biggest Swiss cheese defense in the Lone Star state in the last decade by a large margin there. Like it's going to be ugly, I think. Yeah. And it's going to be more, like you're saying with awful field position and just being on the field all the time, they're going to get tired. They get real tired. Even just in division, like the tired defense against a good running back at the end of the game, just to beat them down some more. Like you got Henry in there, you got Taylor in there. Robinson like they're gonna be playing those guys five out of it like it's just man tough being a Texans fan <laughs> the only viable wide receiver they have is Brandon Cooks and even and then how many he, games are, are can you even pencil yeah. in for him on any given season there when like, like, he's got like KJ McCarron throwing the ball if Watson isn't there like and then like who else who else are you gonna take from them Nico Collins Kiki Kuti it's I mean Collins is a rookie you don't know what you have with him quite yet except that he's your prototypical big body wide receiver, big cash radius kind of thing. So completely different than Cooks. So you'll likely see some red zone targets, but how often are they going to get to the red zone? Well, that's just it, right? Like, even if you look at the running game, you you can always say like, okay, out of every NFL team, doesn't matter how bad their team is, you know that the starting running back from every team usually gets drafted in your league, even if it's just to sit on your bench. But like you say, like how many runs are they realistically going to see in a game when they're going to be down by 20 by like halftime by the looks of it, right? Like, so let's maybe even phrase it this way, like gun to your head. If you look at that backfield, who would you rather take late in a draft, David Johnson or Philip Lindsay? Probably David Johnson because he's more of a receiving back as well. But like even still, like you got four running backs there. It could easily be a four man running back by committee with just I mean we, we, we might Ugh. be approaching really early on on our do not draft segment with we're talking about their backfield at the, at the moment. Um just a mess. I just don't know. I can't I don't know. I can't, I can't provide a <laughs> you, you, would, you would, to... Eric would rather take a second kicker for his team than draft anyone from the Houston Texans backfield is yeah. essentially what he's getting at here. But I mean, it is a wash, right? Like it's cooks. Maybe you roll the dice on one of the rookies that just came in. They don't have a tight end. And then you got David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. Mark Ingram is in there as well. You got Mark Ingram there as well. Rex Burkhead. Like there's a legit four man 
Uh, it's it's literally taking the New England Patriots headache of who is Bill Belichick starting on any given week and putting it on steroids because you, you've got four backs who at this stage of their careers at least right like at one point in these guys careers they were bona fide number one running backs they're maybe not Burkhead but uh, the other three absolutely now it's like okay what version of any of these guys are you really even getting I'm, I'm not touching any of them <laughs> I'll quit fantasy football if I get one all right. Well, let's just even move on from the Houston Texans there. If you are a Houston Texans fan, you can feel free to DM us there on social media and we'll, we'll try and get you some support group or refer you to the right people because I think you're in for a long year. But the only thing <laughs> they have is to have some like money ball esque. <laughs> like, so they, they need yeah. Jonah Hill to come in <laughs> and start finding out some inequalities or inefficiencies in yeah. the NFL system and they will become the Oakland A's of the NFL. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on here. Tennessee Titans. Now, Tennessee Titans obviously oh. went out and made a big splash, probably the preseason favorite to win the AFC South right now, especially given the fact that the injuries at quarterback for the Colts, you got a lot of young kids out in Jacksonville, and then Houston is going to be in the running for the number one overall pick all yeah. season long. So yeah. is this the year Tannehill finally goes mainstream? Because like last, last week we kind of talked about it. He's always flirting with top 10 numbers at fantasy quarterback. You go out there and you add another weapon like Julio Jones. Is this the year they start to really air it out a little bit more? Because for the longest time, it's the Derrick Henry show, right? Like, he still have an all-world running back back there. He's still going to get his touches. But do you think they'll lean a little bit heavier on Tannehill this year than in seasons past? They haven't played a preseason game yet, but, you know what, raise the banner <laughs> in Nashville. <laughs> The Titans, twenty twenty one AFC South Division champs. Well, they do raise a lot of unnecessary banners in Nashville, so you know it could take one out of the Predators banner group discount yeah. rate or something. I mean, I, I I'll be honest with you. I if from a fantasy perspective, certainly Julio Jones will not be producing at the same levels he did in Atlanta because they have AJ Brown and of course Derrick Henry is going to get a lot of touches. But as of right now. He's a guy who's going to go, you know, in a 12-team league, he's going to be round, round four. That's a decent place, I think, to pick up a guy like that because he has the, the potential to, to feast on a lot of Tannehill's throws. And, you know, Tannehill does rack up a lot of yards. We've seen him, you know, last year and the year before to be able to actually put up pretty respectable fantasy numbers. So, yeah, he's, he's a guy that I think I like at that, at, that, uh, at, that, at that spot. Yeah, I think he's in a good spot. I think he's in a good spot because, I mean, he's – AJ Brown's likely going to be getting the number one corner. They're still going to be playing and focusing a lot on Henry. I think there's just, and like, he's just got such a more balanced attack than he's had in the last few years in Atlanta. Like they've had no running game. It's all been pass. Like he's going to face a lot more man coverage and he's a great route one route runner. So, I mean, I think he's definitely going to put up decent numbers or at least it'll be, this year should be easier for him to get open at least and hopefully get maybe some more touchdown passes where before that's where he really faltered a lot. And at the same time, I think, uh, yeah, it's just going to help the entire Tennessee offense in general. Like Henry, too, his touches might go down, but it's going to probably – I mean, if Tannehill starts airing it out more, then you're going to see less eight-man boxes as well. So just the whole offense is just set up to succeed this year. 
we went over it last week there. I'm, I'm a Tannehill believer. He's not a sexy name. He's not someone that I'm going into a draft that and being like, oh, man, I really hope I walk away with Ryan Tannehill from this draft tonight. But if I end up with him, he's not someone I'm upset about to be on my team, especially given the fact that he does have the added weapons this year. But if you look at it from a wide receiver standpoint here, who do you think benefits from having the other one more? Is it Julio Jones now being the clear cut number two and not having double coverage or the number one corner on him all the time? Or is it AJ Brown having a legitimate downfield threat like Julio Jones on the other side of the field from him there? Do you see one of them benefiting from this new union more than the other? I think maybe compared to the situation they had before, I feel like, as we pointed out, Julio Jones will probably be feeling a lot less pressure than he did when he was in Atlanta. It would, I think as far as the way difficulty level of his, of his game, of his situations, game in and game out, is going to be a lot less than what, than what he had in Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it'll probably benefit A.J. Brown quite a bit. Just even, I mean, in general, just like there's, there's just so much experience that Julio has from being the guy and how to get around either double teams or press coverage or certain corners that he might face. And I just think in, in general, like if A.G. Brown was great last year, but he had some games where he kind of disappeared. And I think being able to lean on a guy like Julio that can take some of the pressure off is going to benefit him huge. You just need him to get some touchdowns. Yeah. Well, well, that's just it, right? Like as a, as a Julio Jones survivor last year of him never hitting pay dirt, I mean, I can definitely attest to the frustration that comes with him. But I'm going to have to agree with Craig here. I, I think A.J. Brown is probably the winner in the sense that, yeah, you lost John U. Smith, who opened a lot of things up over the middle, but they didn't have a lot of people other than A.J. who could stretch the field, right? They didn't have those other downfield threats like they do this year. Now you've got two people that you need to worry about for those deep routes. And on top of the fact that either one of them can run a slant, they can run a in, out, they can run a post, they can run whatever with yeah. the best of them in the league, both of them. And I think if you just even compare the two situations, right? Julio's been in Atlanta forever. They draft Calvin Ridley. He's kind of that new kid kind of coming for his spot. Yeah, Julio probably mentored him a little bit, but like how much do you really want to reveal to sort of your quote-unquote successor or heir apparent in Atlanta there? Whereas he's now in Tennessee. He's the aging vet. It benefits him more being on a roster that has a legitimate chance of going on a deep playoff run, possibly even going to the Super Bowl, who knows, of sharing everything he knows, right? And so I, I think that A.J. Brown's going to learn a lot of just minor things, and that's scary. If you're adding even more weapons to an A.J. Brown arsenal, I, I think he's probably the winner in all of this if I had to pick one of the two of them. Yeah, and I, I think Julio, just his attitude is he's just a team guy anyways. Like I, I'd be shocked if he didn't help really out. So, but that's just the same kind of thing. That's why you go out and create a character die, like trade for a character die like that. Like it's just going to make your team better. And he's been to the Super Bowl. That is huge as well. That's where they need to go. Yeah, it didn't end the way they wanted to, but it wasn't because of Julio. Yeah. And the Titans last year, you know, could be accused of maybe taking their foot off the gas a couple of times late in games and all of a sudden needing to make a last minute comeback or, you know, going to overtime or whatever the case might be. If ever there's someone who can preach to a locker room about not taking your foot off the gas, it's going to be Julio Jones. And he's going to be well-respected enough in NFL circles for people to listen when he speaks. So uh, that's a great point there too. 
So with all these added weapons on the offense, anyone a little bit concerned that Derrick Henry might drop off production-wise a little bit this year? Or is this actually a good thing because based on his usage, he was bound for either an injury or a breakdown or something like that based on the history of NFL running backs who have had that many touches over such a condensed period of time. Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, he'll, he'll still get his touches. There's, you know, he's still going to be a very valuable fantasy asset for anybody who picks him up. Um, He's still a all world talent, but I think, you know, maybe having some other stars around him to at least reduce the workload a little bit will probably be a good thing because yeah, especially with the running backs, your, your risk, if he has that much volume. Well, I just think it's going to be easier for him to run. I mean, it's yeah. never easy in the NFL, but like there's having two legitimate threats now, like if they can get the passing game going yeah. as well, like they're not going to be able to just sell out to stop the run anymore. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to face those eight man, everyone load up the box all the time and make him break five catches and gain five yards. Yeah, because all it, all it takes is one one good play action and Julio yeah. or J. Brown is running. Running towards yeah. the end zone with the ball. No, it's huge. He might get less touches in that regard, but it'll be hopefully easier touches for him when he does get them. And I mean, he can score from anywhere. He doesn't necessarily need the goal line touches, so he can still get his touches. Yeah, and we'll we'll break down in our running back segment later on in the show there exactly where we have him pegged as far as that top ten elite running backs pecking order. But before we move on from the Titans, final question here. Obviously, Jonas Smith now a member of the New England Patriots. Anyone liking any of the current Tennessee Titans tight ends fantasy-wise there to step up and maybe replace some of that production of that tight end spot? Or are we doing a hard pass on the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, I'm going to pass on uh, Anthony Furcher. Yeah. I mean, he'll get, he'll get touchdowns randomly, but not enough to value him in fantasy there's, football. Yeah, there's 20 other people that I'd probably take ahead of him. So, yeah. unless, unless he's a guy who just breaks out I'll be taking him off the waiver wire in my drafts. Which would be pretty shocking with all the other weapons they have. Like he's the guy that breaks out. So. All right. Jacksonville Jaguars. Last one in the AFC South here. How much fantasy relevance do we think Trevor Lawrence has in year one? We know the impact he's going to have in real life for the Jaguars. But is he, you know, let's say you got a 12-team league. Does he have a shot at being a starter? Or is he just a nice backup to have this year? I think he'd be a nice backup to have. Honestly, I think the bigger implication of this is a guy, uh, me personally, I especially if you're if you play in a keeper league like I do, I think Lavisca Chenault is a really good play uh, for for where he is because you know, he's he's going to be taken later in the draft and he could be a, a good wide receiver once you know him and, and Trevor Lawrence develop a little chemistry. Yeah. Pretty well. I mean, if you're going to go with Lawrence, I think he's a good backup for sure. Um, where he might get a little bit extra points for you down the line is he was a really good rusher in college. Now, you, and you don't know exactly. I mean, college games is different. They usually ask in general for quarterbacks to run more. You don't know how much he's going to run in the NFL, but I mean, he's got the talent to do that. It's just going to, you know, I mean, that's your franchise you're putting at risk kind of thing. So you have to see. But if he if he starts rushing touchdowns too, I mean that just holds another dimension to this game. And yeah, down the line, I mean, he could end up being a legitimate starter for you. I tend to agree, right? If it's a dynasty league, you're probably going out there and taking him pretty early and hanging on for the uh, experience that will be the uh, second coming of Jesus Christ down in Jacksonville there and Trevor Lawrence. So, but as far as a redraft league. Uh, yeah, I'm probably yeah. passing on him or at least just taking him as a insurance policy on one of my actual starting QBs. 
Speaking of college, though, I mean, James Robinson, as a season for the ages, nearly carries me to a fantasy championship <laughs> last year single-handedly. And how do the Jacksonville Jaguars go out and say thank you to the undrafted running back? They draft Trevor Lawrence's best friend and college roommate, Mr. Travis Etienne Jr. How is this backfield going to get split up? Are we thinking Etienne is going to just be a pass catching back in the early season and he has to sort of carve out a role for himself? Or are they just going to say, screw it, we are Clemson South now and we are going to roll with the two Tigers here right from the get-go? I'm I'm more inclined on, on the latter. I think they can make a really nice one-two punch uh, tandem in the NFL. You know, I'm sure as much as Robinson enjoyed the touches. I think they can be really, you know, as a team, really, really effective using them both properly. You know, like like many NFL teams do with their running backs now. I think that those two could be a solid duo, even some time. I, I mean, and it's he's such a good pass catcher, Etienne, that they could have him and Robinson on the field at the same time, just have Etienne playing out of the slot. Like, I mean, he's going to get, I think Etienne's going to get as many catches or targets as he does rushes kind of thing. Like, they just want to try to get him open at the same time they're still going to have Robinson there he's still going to get his touches too well interesting you say that too because initial reports out of Jacksonville right now is they've actually had Etienne in the first couple of practices essentially acting almost exclusively as a receiver so they're putting him all over the field so it could be one of those sort of two-headed monsters what are they doing on offense can they split him out he can work out of the slot they can even send him out wide he's got phenomenal hands on him there so Absolutely. If you are in a PPR league, Etienne should be on your draft board for sure. I'm not saying take him in the first round or anything crazy here, but a mid-round pickup of him, definitely someone to keep an eye on. Tim Tebow, anyone? No. No? No one here is a believer in Tim Tebow as a tight end. No, he should have done that years ago. And they said, hey, you should be a tight end. He was like, no, I'm a quarterback. And then he was like, no, I'm a baseball player. And now it's like, okay, fine, I'll try tight end. It's just like, <laughs> you had your shot. <laughs> yeah. After bouncing around from team to team to team as quarterback, had a brief cup of coffee with the Philadelphia Eagles there as well, too, as quarterback, and goes and has God knows how many tryouts with the New York Mets. And now he's back in Jacksonville. If he can't make it work, I have no idea where he goes from here the guy's rich enough already he's got these super lucrative contracts with espn calling college football like just be an announcer give it up like i get it i can respect that you want to be a competitor and get out there and hang with the boys and live that pro athlete lifestyle and all that but like the guy's got enough things going on that he can just focus on what he's really good at and the fact is he is actually a pretty good college game day analyst there so uh, i mean but he he loves the game you can't you can't keep a guy away from a game and get for a game that he loves, especially if he has still has the talent to make an NFL roster. But he doesn't. It's a dog and pony show. Anytime Tim Tebow is going out there, like he is not going to have any fantasy or real life relevance. Vegas has the over under on zero point five TD catches right now for Tim Tebow. How many throws? You can take a flyer on that. But you decided to go to to, to basically. Have a, have a say in what he should do in his personal life. And I'm like, you know what? If he still wants to make a roster, let him go out and do it if it's a game he wants, Kyle. I, I mean, I'm down to watch preseason with him. I want to see some kind of weird reverse where all of a sudden he's back there from a tight end position and all of a sudden he's throwing a bomb. 
Yeah, he'll he'll need that much time because he's got a crazy slow windup. But I would I I would I on a completely. I think he's hilarious. From a complete gimmick standpoint, I would love to see some trick play where that that has him throwing a bomb down the field. That would be fun. Wow. Can they change numbers, making a long snapper, and all of a sudden? <laughs> from, from an unintentional comedy standpoint cute tim tebow is out there from a real life standpoint the guy if he does even make a roster it's not because they're they have any kind of real use for him out there it is going to either be tickets or jersey sales that's the business side of thing and he's taking a spot away from someone who's actually worked their whole life to be an nfl tight end there that's what i don't like about it and that's what something that tim tebow has never understood even in his minor baseball stints where he batted atrociously across the board in every single aspect of it in the minor league levels yet every year the Mets would bring him out for their pro league camp why because they wanted to sell tickets in Florida and get all the old granny and bible thumpers out there watching Tim Debo well that's he's that's, a gimmick get him out of sports yeah but be that, an announcer but that's not on Tim Tebow that's on that's on the team bringing him out and doing that. Well, for, if someone, you're, if you're, if if for team, someone who professes to be such a lover of the Bible and Christian values and lo- my brother's keeper, this and that, like he's screwing a lot of people who have actually been trying to accomplish things in their career by just being out there and being a gimmick. <laughs> I, like I, I, I'm with you in the sense that I didn't think he was, a, 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 you know, in, in the realm of professional baseball, a great ball player, but if he wants to go out there and try his best and the team decides to give him a roster spot, that's on the team. That's not on him. What you, If you have a chance to play a sport you love professionally, you're going to be like, well, I'm going to take the route and just not try because a roster spot can be taken. Like, That's not on him. That's on the team if they, if they want to give him a roster spot and the team wants to wait for a roster spot. I'm cool with it. The cool thing. I can't wait for the Colts to go out and sign some TikTok influencer just to go out there and drive ticket sales or some sort of clickbait thing. And Eric, I'm cool with it. It's on the Colts. That's a great way to engage with the new generation of kids here. Is Juju available? (laughs) And you guys thought we wouldn't do more than 10 seconds on Tim Tebow. Went down that rabbit hole way too far. Getting back to fantasy relevant people here. Let, why don't we just go through all the juniors on this team? So we already talked about Travis Etienne Jr. Then wide receivers, DJ Chark Jr., Marvin Jones Jr., and LaVisca Chenault Jr. So it is a team of all juniors that are going to be making the fantasy rounds this year. Which junior is your favorite as a pass-catching option there? Probably Chenault, but just by a bit. I know he had a pretty solid season last year as well, and by his standards, he was upset. And I, I think he put a lot of work into it. He's actually lost a lot of weight. He wants to get more explosive as well downfield. So I think if Lawrence can get him the ball, I mean, he's going to have a big year as well. But Chanel just is a little bit more dynamic with the ball in his hands. And I can just see a little bit more run after the catch ability there. I, uh, I mean, I'm at, at the top of Jacksonville Jaguars segment. I did mention how I like Chanel. You did. But honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Marvin Jones has always been a guy who hasn't, he, he's, he's never been the top dog where he's been but always done really well, like produced is especially, you know, he's is right now they have him going in rounds. Geez, like eight, you know, I mean, if you're able to pick up a wide receiver like him that late, he's just a guy. He's, you know, you, you don't, you're not going to be spending a, a, a important spot on him, but he's just always a guy who goes out and catches balls and gets, scores touchdowns. And, you know, for, for where they have him placed, I, I like him. 
I really want to play it safe. If you want to play it safe for that spot, yeah, he's a good guy to get. If you want to think maybe there's a little bit more boom or bust, you go for someone else because he's well, not going to be a boom. We've had two of the juniors. I'm going to go and zag and take the third junior. I'm going to say I like DJ Chark the best out of the three options. Now, don't get me wrong. I think they're in a nice situation. They finally have a legitimate quarterback. And, you know, as exciting as the Gardner Minshew experience was, I love him as a backup quarterback. I love him to... Uh, he's not number two. So he's yeah. not number two. No, no, I know, I know. We all we all saw the the tweet, the Instagram post, or whatever it was. There, yeah, he hasn't taken a, a deuce in weeks because he's not number two. But there's something about DJ Chark that I think he's going to be the one who hits Pater the most out of those three wide receivers this year. Jesus Christ! Let's. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, that comment was so shocking. I've completely <laughs> lost my train of thought right there. But honestly, though, like DJ Chark, I think it, LaVisca is going to get probably the most receiving yards out of the three of them. I think Marvin Jones is going to be a nice blend of the two. But I think come red zone time, DJ is probably going to get more looks than them. And just based on that volume alone, I'm, I'm probably not going into a draft actively hoping to get one of the three of them but if it's a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three if i'm going to get one of those guys i'm more than happy to take dj shark out of that yeah for the first time ever i would be okay having a jaguars receiver whichever one it happens to be tim tebow is a tight end and we're okay with taking jaguars wide receivers hell has officially frozen over let's move over to the nfc south here reigning super bowl champions they essentially just decided to run it back. Their roster is virtually unchanged from last year. If we talk about Tom Brady, though, like we already touched on quarterbacks last week, so we won't go super in-depth through it, but is he someone that you can realistically think that you're going into a draft and kind of targeting? Or is he just that guy who, if you happen to miss out on that top tier of quarterbacks and he's there in the later rounds, you're more than happy to take, but he wasn't someone necessarily on your draft board. For me, I mean, every single year, every single year, I tell myself, uh, you know, Tom Brady is a year older now, so, you know, probably not a wise decision. Oh, he's a year older now, probably not a wise decision, but the guy just keeps showing up. That jerk. And putting up, <laughs> and putting up decent numbers, getting, you know. You know, assuming, let's say, you load up on other positions elsewhere and you're not taking Mahomes or Prescott or, you know, Josh Allen, he can, he can be a, similar to how he can be a great quarterback to lead your uh, – to, to lead whatever team he is on into the, into the playoffs. Probably a good quarterback to lead your team to a championship, assuming that every other position's you know, drafted and built really well. So, I don't know. I, 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 every year I keep saying that he's a year older and I stay away from him. And every year he just seems to be a, a very serviceable quarterback for a fantasy. And I hate him. <laughs> well, I, I think with, just based on the weapons around him and the fact that, I mean, like, I, I, I have no idea what's going on with Tom Brady. He's, he's some sort of cyborg from the future. He was playing all last year without an MCL, apparently, and just didn't miss a beat. So if, it's a situation where like the top eight quarterbacks are kind of off the board already. I'm more than happy to take him, but I'm probably even going to wait a couple more rounds and all right, if he's still there, you know, two or three rounds. Yeah. That's when I'll target him type thing. But yeah, he's, he's not someone that I'm 
hoping and crossing my fingers that is going to end up on any of my fantasy squads this year. Nope. And you know what? If you do end up drafting him, I think he'll start better too this year than last year. Like last year, everyone talks about if you're a quarterback, you're there, Bruce Arian system, you're going to throw interceptions. It's going to take you a while to figure it out. But he figured it out. So I don't see why it would be – he shouldn't have to work his way up again this year. Yeah, he has way all the weapons he's ever wanted to have. Way better weapons in Tampa than he did uh, and like, and for a while. Yeah, and, and he's going to have Gronk there for a full year knowing the system too. Like it's just – because it took him a while to get going as well. Like it's – I don't know. Tampa Bay is scary. Brown, Evans, Godwin. Scary. Rank them in order of <laughs> who you want most out of that little three-headed monster there. Evans, Godwin, Brown. Okay. <laughs> I I would That's say all Eric has on that point. He's he's done talking about those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I'd probably go Godwin Evans Brown, and that's I think it's just I mean it's your classic PPR receptions versus touchdowns. I think Godwin's going to get more targets, more receptions, and that's pretty well it. I mean you can't go wrong with either. No, you, you truly are done on your point. Yeah, right? done, yeah that's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nothing happened. All right. Well, we got to touch on their backfield before we fully move on from Tampa Bay here. And much like the Houston Texans looking pretty crowded back there because they've got Fournette and Rojo back from last year, but now they even went and sprinkled in Giovanni Bernard as well too. So how are things going to actually get split up there? And are certain running backs only relevant if it's a PPR league? I think Giovanni Bernard's only relevant if it's a PPR league. However, you know, I could see him, though, being like James White was to Tom Brady. James White was to Tom Brady in New England. You know, it's a nice deep uh, Yeah, like a guy who's who's going to get a lot of catches out of the backfield. I mean, who knows? Maybe the game plan is in, in Tampa Bay to use Rojo and, and Leonard Fournette a lot more, leaving Gio Bernard with less to, uh, to handle than, let's say, a James White would have. But, again... You have a guy like Tom Brady who can, who's known to have success with a with a catch a strictly catching running back like that, and who probably could have some influence on the coaching staff to be like, hey, let's maybe include Giovanni Bernard like I had with James White in in New England and, and make it work. So I don't know. I mean, I can see that happening. I, I mean, obviously, wouldn't be surprised if if he's just a, a a true change of pace back who doesn't get many touches. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe he'll be a guy like James White who will get a bunch of targets and get 60 catches a year. I, I mean, I, I think it'll be Rojo, but I mean, you saw down the stretch last year, they leaned on Fournette heavily. It's, it's going to be one of those things, like, let's see how preseason hands out. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a matter of who's got the hot hand between those two. And that was yeah. a roller coaster ride last year. I think I spent 90% of last season trying to trade for Leonard Fournette because I had Rojo and another guy in our league had Fournette and, kept sending offers back and forth and we could never settle on it. We both sent must have been at least two dozen trade offers back and forth, but it's all the throw-ins that, that we kept adding, just trying to fleece the other guy. It never ended up panning out. So that was a roller coaster ride. I don't plan on reliving this year. So unless we're talking about late in the draft and he's still there, I don't plan on taking a flyer on either of those. I think you'd have to be pretty desperate. Like I mean there's that's it, right? Like if, if you're stacked at receiver, you missed out on the big group of running backs. It's like, oh God, now what? you could take a flyer on one of those Tampa Bay running backs because it's going to be a good offense. I, I like their group better than the Houston Texans backfield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll at least be in the red zone quite a bit. There's a lot of things better than the Houston Texans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. New Orleans, new era in the yeah. New Orleans, Louisiana, Bayou. Sean Payton 
Good Lord. What is he going to trot out this year in terms of the Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill experience? Because especially based on the contract that they brought Hill in, he's not just there to hold a clipboard. So is it going to be more weird packages and gimmicks than we saw when Breeze was under center? Is it going to be less because they're going to try and air it out a little bit more? Like, how do you even see this quarterback situation playing out? I think maybe Taysom Hill keeps the same same kind of role as far as a change of pace guy, but maybe he is introduced a little bit more into the offense, given that Drew Brees is gone, and obviously um, a guy like Jameis Winston isn't, you know, like that Drew Brees was. I think Jameis Winston's the guy who's under center, mo- under center mostly, um, but maybe Taysom Hill has a bit more of a role in the offense. He already had a decent role in, in New Orleans offense, but perhaps he has even a bigger one now. If there's any Red Bull reps that are listening to this podcast yeah, right now, we, we will it. happily our friend Eric is a little, <laughs> a little bit sleepy there. He, he recorded a, uh, a YouTube video for us, and apparently the double duty is just wearing on him right now in the evening. Oh, evidently. I tend to agree. I, I think this has got to be Jameis's show as far as actually trying to lead the offense. I think there's going to be some gimmicks, obviously, thrown in there with Taysom again. What I would like to see, though, is Sean Payton, if you're going to trot out Hill out there, Use him as a decoy once in a while. Because it just seemed like, not only last year, but for a couple seasons now, anytime he's out there, he touches the ball. So the defense just knows, wherever the hell Taysom goes, something's going to happen. Whether it's going to be a pass, whether it's going to be a run, whether it's going to be you know a lateral, whatever it is. But he never seems to use him as a decoy. So I'd love to see him from a real-life perspective, use him a little bit more that way. Fantasy-wise, though, I'm not touching Taysom Hill with a 100-foot pole unless he gets another one of those weird designations where he's like QB slash tight end eligibility or something like that. And you can kind of sneak him in there. Who was it a few years ago? It was like Webb for the Minnesota Vikings also had wide receiver eligibility. And so you could essentially sneak him in there as a second quarterback. But unless we get something like that, it's gotta be the Jameis show. Right, Craig? Yeah. I mean, I know Peyton always talks a big game about what, like how much he likes Hill, and I feel like I've heard him say somewhere he sees him like a Steve Young type, and I'm I'm just thinking like I see him more as kind of there was that stage when all of a sudden RG three and Kaepernick came in, and everyone was running the option, just the run option, and no one could figure it out. I see him as a mix of kind of like those two types of players. It, Lee has figured it out. If he's your quarterback back there. It just limits you so much because they know how to defend that run pass option now and it's just he's not consistent enough as a thrower like there's a reason why those two guys are not starters in the league right now well with Winston under center does this make Kamara's ceiling and floor higher or lower because with Drew Brees last year like it was patently obvious that he could not throw a deep ball he, he struggled to throw it more than 15 yards most of the time there so the fact that you've got Jameis who granted will throw his fair share of interceptions as well too but was never one to shy away from throwing the ball downfield and actually stretching defenses out a little bit does Kamara get more involved in the run game and maybe not get as many sort of handoff yeah. dink and dunk passes like he was with Breeze I think he'll still get his fair share of receptions. And especially just because right now, I mean, Thomas is a huge question mark health-wise too. They're going to need to lean on Kamara as a receiver and a running back. I think you're more likely to get passes thrown his way. If Winston's the quarterback, you're throwing the ball more than running it because he'll just kind of take off running sometimes. 
the more you're passing it, the more likely Marizal like, is going to get those touches too. It's not going to be random quarterback runs like it is with Hill, where he's actually dipping into Kamara's touches that way, rushing the ball. I I, I think Kamara's still if Wins is a quarterback, I'm okay with dropping Kamara. Eric is sitting here just going, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get that that Bull endorsement. There's literally Gatorade over there. Go grab a Gatorade. Get some electrolytes in tea or something. Moving on. Jesus. Jesus Christ, we're not even done. <laughs> New Orleans here. Michael, Michael Todd. Thanks. Thank, yeah, like, okay. Craig, you can see the lighting here, right? Can you? Wouldn't you fall asleep in this in this type of lighting? It looks brighter than my room right now. I don't serious? know. Eric is, like, concerned that it's lit like the experimental farm, like that little chick hutch there, and it's, like, <laughs> slowly lulling him to sleep with just the soft lighting in the background. But I'll get you an air horn there. We'll just fire it <laughs> off randomly no, and startle you. Symbols. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Whatever works, man. All right. Michael Thomas, lots of social media posts and cryptic tweets and alluding to him not airing some dirty laundry that he could have, that would have exposed other people. We don't know whether he's talking about the Saints organization, someone on his team, another player or what. But, you know, especially with all the talk of, all right, he's slant boy. He, he runs one route, right? He's, he's going to catch 10 yard passes and, Phenomenal for PPR, but he's going to be that, you know, 13, 14 catches a game and struggle to get over 100 yards. Like, is that just the stage he's at right now? Or do you think that he could have a bounce back season under Jameis Winston and go back to when he won Offensive Player of the Year? I think he could have a bounce back season with Winston, but I'm just more concerned about his injury. Like, when is he going to be playing? Is he... He was badly hurt late last year. How's his rehab going? Is he even gonna like? Is he? He hasn't even been to training camp yet. Like I, I'm only taking him if I'm comfortable with my wide receiver and I have a spot where I can just kind of stash him and see what happens. And which is scary because I did that with AJ Green for years and it never worked. <laughs> never worked. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have a soft spot from for Michael Thomas because I drafted him for a dollar in a keeper league PPR auction. His rookie season and got yeah. and got basically every good season out of him, and then had to give him back to the league the league, the year last year when he started to actually decline. And I don't know, like part of me wants to be able to pick him up at such a low cost now, given that he was the top wide receiver off the board not very long ago, and now he's what the thirtieth wide receiver off the board. Like, I, I, maybe I'm just someone who is too drawn to depreciated assets that have upside to them. But I don't know. Like, he's got a lot about him that, like, you know, like stay away, like the injury bug that he can't shake right now. I mean, these cryptic tweets that he's sending out that ever got everyone kind of. Quarterback questions, maybe the most yeah. important. Like, it's. The fact that he no longer has a Hall of Famer passing him the ball. I, I mean, but again, you have a guy like Jameis Winston who just loves throwing the ball. And getting yards and get, you know. Even when he shouldn't. Yeah, even when he shouldn't. Sure, he'll get 20 interceptions or 30 if, you know, he has a repeat of, of, of a few years ago. But no, he's, let's a, go 40 he's, for he's, he's a quarterback you like to see on a team that you own a wide receiver of because he'll put up 5,000 yards with those 20 interceptions, right? So, and, and who else do they have on their team? Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith. Yeah. Well, well, that's just it. Outside of Winston as maybe a flyer backup quarterback. 
Thomas and Kamara, is there anyone on the Saints either of you are interested in? No, and and you know, Jameson is Jameis Winston is not a guy who will check the ball down to Alvin Kamara all the time either. Oh no, I, I think Kamara's gonna run routes. He'll cock it back and just sling it downfield to whoever's there. So yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the play that you pick up a guy like Michael Thomas for so cheap knowing that he that that winston's going to target him a whole bunch i don't know it's just right right now he's got he's acting a little strange maybe he's on a ton of pain killers right now too freaking broken ankle who knows <laughs> you go. just needed to bring up michael thomas and eric is back there he's we go back. like a cup of espresso <laughs> into his system the kid is back yeah but that took all the energy out of me <laughs> All right, Carolina, poor Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, once again, replaced by Sam Darnold for the second time in his career, gets ousted out of town there. So given the fact that they're in a more up-tempo, non-Adam Gase-led offense, is there a chance that by season's end, we see Darnold start flirting with, uh, let's say, top 15 quarterback in the league or is he just going to be a guy who if it's a bye week i might stream him or if there's an injury to my starter i'll consider picking him up so now we're similar to before as we were encroaching on our do not draft list now we'll encroach on my bold prediction of the week Uh oh um i mean i i just like you know a guy like sam darnold who had a lot of talent coming out of college and who you know very well could have just been pigeonholed by the system he was in in new york and the fact that now he has a fresh start with a you know a seemingly better team around him and a guy like matt rule who loves to sling the ball with his quarterbacks Matt rules biggest strength as a coach is that he is not out of gates yeah exactly so, <laughs> i don't know and, and and of course coming from a guy who loves who loves to pre to look at depreciated assets i think sam darnold has a has a chance to become a top 15 uh, fantasy football quarterback, a chance. Again, if we're going by the, you know, our definition that we've set out of the bold prediction being something that we don't think is going to happen, but that we're not going to be shocked like the rest of the world if it does happen. Yeah, I can see Sam Darnold really taking a step forward. Maybe he won't, but I feel like a, a change of scenery can only help him. You know what, Eric? I agree. <laughs> It's the next thing to know. No, I uh, I think this is the next Tannehill. It's the next talented quarterback that was in a system, Coach Baden Gase, and he just I don't know what he does in the dressing room. He just tells him they're a piece of shit the entire time. Like he throws the ball better, you piece of shit. And it just doesn't work. Like I don't know what he does. But no, I, I see him doing way better. Maybe not this year right away, but like I mean we could be in the same spot a couple years from now talking about how underrated Darnold is. I see him doing better this year right away. Want to know why? He's in a better system. Got his buddy Robbie Anderson back with him. Bobby. DJ Moore. We've got better running backs. You know, he's, he's going to be in a position where, you know, they, they have a good running game. So it's going to open up the playbook, playbook for him a bit more. So I don't know. I like him. Not the same way that I like Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know. I like him for, a, for maybe put him in a, as your backup. If you're really feeling okay. yeah. you're looking more or less than Carson Wentz? More. There, there you go. Yeah. Oh, Eric already soured on the Carson Wentz experience <laughs> in Indianapolis. He's your problem now. Well, I, I feel like I know where Eric's leaning towards this, but like, like you just said, 
Robbie Anderson already has some experience with Sam Darnold coming over from New York. Do we like him more than DJ Moore? Because without that connection, if you look at based on their numbers, right, a lot of people are much higher on DJ Moore than they are Robbie Anderson. Yeah, personally, me, I like, I like, especially if you're a wide receiver, I like a guy who gives you more of a consistent floor rather than a 35-point ceiling. You know, DJ Moore, I feel like, would have less variance when it comes to um, his output, but obviously Robbie Anderson's more the home run guy where all you have to do is give him two deep passes and he, and he you know, racks up 100 yards after four catches with two touchdowns. But he does that, you know, three, two or three times a year. I, I like them both, but I would, I would prefer DJ Moore as, as, uh, as a guy in my team. Yeah, it's going to be who would you prefer on your team? Are you looking for the three catches for 120 yards and a touchdown, or you're looking for seven or eight catches for 120 yards? And it's going to be what, what? I mean, that's basically the difference between the two. And the problem with those boomer bust guys like Anderson is that when they're not scoring those touchdowns. Like you're saying, you're not getting the points. Yeah. Where it's more at least he's always going to be targeted. It kind of like in the same way in Seattle where you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, where DK Metcalf you probably prefer him because he's going to give you a consistent floor as a with a decent fantasy football outing each week. Whereas Tyler Lockett, I don't think they were the separation as far as points was too much between them, but I think something like almost fifty percent of Tyler Lockett's points came out of what like four games. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah, I, I, I see as I see DJ Moore as, as the guy who would give you more consistency. But sure, if you already have two good wide receivers ahead of you, why not throw in Robbie Anderson as a flex for a potential home run game every once in a while? I, I like Robbie Anderson as an ad in the flex if you're going to start Sam Darnold that week. You get the little double dip yeah. there on, on the QB to wide receiver connection. Yeah. I kind of like that. There. But yeah, like like you said, in, unless they're absolutely taking the top off the thing, probably not someone that I'm looking at as far as more than a uh, backup quarterback and maybe a flex out of Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore, I, c- I can get on board with as being a actual week in, week out streaming option on my uh, wide receivers there. But. Now that being said, I know I know Anderson did have some big games where he still was getting seven or eight, nine catches. He started off on fire, but I think what we saw towards the end of the season was more yeah. progressing to the mean kind of thing. Yeah, especially if you're a team. Let's say if if you're going through bye week hell or you got a lot of injuries at the position. You know, I I like plugging Robbie Anderson in there to try to get a a game out of him while you have while you have to muster through a a, a really crappy bye week. Backfield, Christian McCaffrey, the presumptive number one overall pick in most fantasy football leagues we'll get to running backs in a second there as far as where he is on your list but shout out to chubba hubbard good little canadian kid there who's going to be the handcuff for cmc in the backfield for carolina but assuming he's healthy like what's a realistic stat line you can see christian mccaffrey putting up this year if he plays a full season and doesn't have the injury problems that he's had like last year i mean as long as he's healthy i see him obviously being really really good and you know he's gonna the guy gosh the guy's gonna get you a bunch of rushing yards and get you a bunch of receptions especially if you're in a ppr league like i don't know how you don't take him number one to be honest with you but sorry the, the, I, you have to repeat that name for me again his backup the hand chubba hubbard chubba hubbard my weekly my weekly shout out to the like a strong great name like i did last week with Amon <laughs> ross st brown chubba hubbard all right um I don't know. I mean, I had McCaffrey. I didn't have McCaffrey last year, and I didn't get a lot of mileage out of him. But when he played, 
I don't think he got less than 25 points a week for me. He was a monster. I was crying every time. When I... <laughs> he was a monster. Like, I mean, if you just look at the projected right now, he's almost like they're projecting almost 100 points more than the next running back. He's, he's insane. If he's healthy, yeah, you're just going to get ridiculous amount of points from him. I think if you're in a non-PPR league, I, I just feel something about uh, Dalvin Cook yeah. up in Minnesota. And he, he could flirt with him. But if you're in a PPR league, I, I would not be shocked to see Christian McCaffrey put up double-digit receiving and rushing touchdowns this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotta stay healthy. All right. Might as well end up with the presumptive bottom dwellers of the NFC South to complete all of our divisional previews here. Atlanta. I can see them doing anything from being frisky week in, week out and losing close games to struggling to win three games all season. I just can't get a read on them. Matt Ryan's 36. He's starting to really show his age. If you are going out there and drafting Matt Ryan as your starting quarterback, I hope to God you've got a very strong wide receiver and running back group there because you've clearly missed out on something. But even at that, I, I can see so many other quarterbacks having a more viable season. So if we just focus on their wide receivers, like talk about a drop-off going from Julio and Calvin to Calvin Ridley and like who's next on their depth chart? Russell Gage right now? So this to me is the year where we really find out how good is Calvin Ridley. Don't get me wrong. I think he's phenomenal. But are you truly one of the – 10 best wide receivers in the league or was a lot of your production linked to the fact that Julio Jones was lining up on the opposite side of the field for me, largely drawing the number one corner and some extra special attention from the defense. Okay. Understand something. Let's just all concede that Atlanta's going to be throwing the ball a lot. Just from a standpoint of, of them needing to put up a lot of points every game makes, you know, each one of these players that much more relevant fantasy wise. Yes. Matt Ryan is a little bit older, but the guy still threw for over 4,500 yards last year. Maybe his touchdowns you know, weren't as much as they, as they used to be, but they now have Kyle Pitts, who's going to be a terrific tight end for them. So, I mean, that's a guy that you got to watch out for as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Calvin Ridley, now you, you take away Julio Jones and now you're going to have the, the team's number one, the opposite team's number one corner on you sure that might not be that fun for him but at the same time i'm approaching atlanta from the strict point of view that they're going to have to throw the ball a lot and that just makes everybody on that team that much more fancy to me it doesn't matter yeah he's going to be absolutely smoking the rest of his players and targets like they, they can't not afford to throw the ball 10 times his way at least and he's good enough that he's going to be able to make get some points with that like touchdowns as well with that he is going to need to depend on Kyle Pitts, though, which is a lot to ask for a rookie because they don't really have anyone else. They're going to need to – like, I don't know if they're just going to need to try to maybe line Pitts up on the same side as Ridley and just try to confuse the defense with some cross routes to help, like some pick plays kind of thing. But it's still it's, – it's, they're going to be throwing a lot. Ridley's ceiling is going to be down a little bit, though, just because the lack of support. Yeah, I think – Defenses are definitely going to have some uh, coverage over the top and whether it's safety help or some sort of scheme to zero in on Ridley for sure because there's no one else on that depth chart that is really scaring me from the wide receiver position. Kyle Pitts, however, I'm probably higher than most uh, as far as his fantasy output this year. Yeah, he's a rookie, 
But like Eric was saying, they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. And I mean, one benefactor of that is the fact that Mike Davis is going to be a PPR monster because he's going to be catching God knows how many passes out of the backfield. But I mean, we'll get to him in a second, but like Kyle Pitts, I would not be surprised if he's a top five fantasy tight end this season in his rookie year. And then for the next 10 plus seasons, he is going to be one of the first tight ends off the board every single year. I think it's going to be maybe a little bit of a learning curve for him in those first couple of weeks. And how those first maybe five weeks go is probably going to decide a lot of his fantasy output this year. Cause if Falcons go zero and five and they've got nothing to lose and they're getting blown out in a lot of games, that means more passes and then he's going to get more and more involved in it. If somehow by some miracle, they're four and one or five and oh, maybe they get a little bit more conservative and you know, they go with a more traditional offense, but I don't see it. I think they're going to be coming from behind quite a bit. They play in a dome. They love to throw the ball. They don't have a strong running game. I, I think Kyle Pitts, if you can draft him, go out and grab him this year. Now, I'm, I'm also going to make a point here because Russell Gage is, you know, you know, we've mentioned him as the next guy behind Ridley who's going very, very late in drafts, if at all, alongside Traquan Smith and Jamison Crowder and, you know, um, Randall Cobb. Let's not forget that last year as the third wide receiver in Atlanta, you know, in Atlanta, the guy had 72 receptions for 786 yards and four touchdowns that those, those numbers don't jump off the sheet at you. But remember he was the number three. That's pretty good. I mean, if you were to let's say, say, okay, you know, he's going to have a uptick in production that those numbers suggest that he is a good candidate for a thousand yard receiver, especially (laughs) in a 17 game game season. True. So I wouldn't necessarily sleep on him. He, he's obviously a guy who performed really well as a number three, and maybe he's a guy who's more talented than we think he, but he was just overshadowed by the two superstar wide receivers. there getting, getting all the targets. Yeah. I mean, the thing is going to be, there's a ton of targets that they need to replace with Julio. How much of those are they going to divvy up to Pitts, and how much are they going to divvy to say someone like it? So yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Pitt struggles a bit early on to pick up the offensive plays yeah. and it kind of maybe limit the snaps he gets until he starts to learn more of the nuances of the offense. And yeah, Gates could absolutely. Because, and, and, and I'm basing my rankings off the ESPN rankings. They have him going the round before you take your defense and then your kicker. So literally yeah. the last round of skills of, of players and skill positions. If I'm at that point, honestly, Russ, if, if I'm that late in the draft, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm, I need to roster my second wide receiver bench spot or third. I'm going to take a flyer on Russell Gage simply yeah. because of the, of, of the, the game plan that is going to be bestowed upon the Falcons. Again, I just think with Julio leaving, as you pointed out, there are more targets that need to go around. Certainly Kyle Pitts is going to get quite a few of those, but you know, Russell Gage had, had more than 70 receptions last year. Yeah. I mean, realistically, if you say, okay, he's going to get an uptick. Is he going to get, hundred like that's a good amount of receptions especially if you're in a ppr league yep well it just showed i mean because julio was injured quite a bit as well last week too right yeah that's so, right no you're right like that that is going to be where a lot of his receptions came from but at the very least it shows that matt ryan will go to him yeah you, you know it's i don't know i just think that given where he's projected to go if you're about to roster your second or third bench spot for your wide receiver he's a great pickup to have i think oh, if he's if he's there that late and even if he stays the exact same stats, yeah. you'll take that on your bench. 
Oh, yeah. All right, before we move on to running backs here, though, and close the book on the Atlanta Falcons, because we won't actually spend an entire episode going through kickers, got to shout out our boy, Koo, out in Atlanta. How high are you taking him for the kickers? Is he a top three for you, Craig? I, I guess he'd be a top three kicker, yeah. Oh, there you I mean, go. So we're, we're talking some nice round 17 value here, folks. <laughs> if you are looking for some serious production from that kicker spot, Hit up your boy, Coop. Honestly, for me, no, I'd go Butker just for Top two. three. Top three. Top three? No, not I don't think so. You know, like my top three would be Butker just for the sheer yeah. volume that he's going to get. Then Justin Tucker for, you know, the volume he's going to get. And simply he just does seemingly doesn't miss. And then after that, yeah, I mean, I can see maybe taking Coop, but I think I would probably want to take someone who plays in an offense that's a bit more potent. Hey, so I, I, I love the fact that they're probably going to stall out in the red zone quite a bit. Yeah. It means more, means more field goal yeah. attempts for him, right? Right, right. But I mean, I, I think I would probably even take Tyler Bass before I'd take uh, T-Bass. Young Way Koo. You know, the guys, he was a rookie last year. He plays he plays on a team with a terrific offense. I don't know. I think I'd go ahead and take Tyler Bass before Young Way Koo. But still, if Young Way Koo's on the board and it's the kicker round and he's the only position I need and he's still there and none of those other three guys I mentioned are there, then yeah, I'm probably going to take him. Only get points for onside kicks. That, that was way more. <laughs> so I, I thought I was expecting like a five second sound bite out of that there. Eric is not messing around at the kicker position <laughs> yeah. this year for fantasy football. All right, let's quickly run down our top 10 running back. So Yahoo has the following order. So they've got Christian McCaffrey, number one, Dalvin Cook, number two, Ezekiel Elliott, three, Derek Henry, four, Alvin Kamara, five, Nick Chubb, six, Aaron Jones, seven, Saquon Barkley, eight, Jonathan Taylor, nine, and Najee Harris coming in at number 10. Craig, you want to start us off as far as how does your top 10 look and who surprised you from the Yahoo top 10? So I have McCaffrey one, Cook two, and I have Henry three. I got Barkley at four. Um, I still have have Taylor at five. I got Kamara at six. Zeke at seven, Chubb at eight. I got Clyde at nine and Dobbins at 10. Clyde at nine, sneaking in. Homer. What a Homer pick that is there. I mean, they didn't revamp their entire offensive line just for Mahomes to sit back there. They want to get the run game going too. They don't want him being that predictable passing 40 times a game. And they also really want to get Clyde going in the passing game too. He put up a ton of receptions when he was in LSU and they did not see that at all this year. So he's going to get his touches. That's why. Um, but surprised me for the list. I mean, Harris kind of surprised Najee Harris is that high up already. I just, I don't know. I, it's, I, I don't know how good that offensive line is going to be. And it's a rookie running back coming in and it's just, that's a lot to ask. And I think if, I think people are probably drafting that high because of the hype coming out of Alabama and they could be very disappointed drafting in the top 10. For me, yeah, I have so I have McCaffrey, Cook, and uh, Henry one, two, three. Then I have Kamara number four. Um, I mean, a guy, and then Saquon Barkley number five. Now, a guy on the Yahoo list that I thought might have been a little high was Zeke at number three. Although I don't have him too much farther down there, I just think a guy like like Tony Pollard. It's, I mean, they've all the Cowboys have also come out and say that they'd want to use him more, and he's a good running back. You know, he's a really, really good running back. So I think he might eat into Zeke's touches a little bit, although, you know, Zeke will still put up a very serviceable fantasy football season. 
Uh, and then to round out my top 10, you know, I have one guy that Yahoo doesn't have that Craig didn't have or you would be Austin Eckler. Again, this is PPR. Yep. Strictly PPR. Austin Eckler would be in my top 10. Chubb would, Jonathan Taylor. And then I'd, I think at number 10, I'd like to slide Joe Mixon there. I think, you know, he's – I feel like he's a bit underrated based on where he's projected to go. He's a great running back. You know, he, he runs well. You know, hopefully the Bengals are a little bit better and their offensive line is a little bit better now. So I'd, I, I'd take him. I'd probably, if I were in that position, late first round, early second round, I don't think it would be a reach to go for Joe Mixon, but I may take him over a few others. Yeah, I, I agree with you about Zeke being a little high for me too. I had him in at seven, I think, or six. Like it's just – I mean, they like Pollard. Now, the only thing would be, like, he, last year he lost a lot of his explosiveness. He did not look good at all. Apparently, he's lost some weight and changed his diet, so we'll see if that does anything. Likely not going to be able to see that until the first game of the regular season, though, so it's going to be how much do you trust that. Yeah. Again, uh, same things as you guys. I thought Zeke was a little high at number three, so my top ten. I had CMC, Dalvin Cook, Henry, which I think is the same as everyone just went there. So we, we've got the same top three that I went Kamara, Chubb, Zeke, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, JK Dobbins, and Antonio Gibson. And I was flirting with the idea of having Eckler in there for PPR purposes, but I just can't trust him to stay healthy. He can't seem to put together a whole complete season. And even if it is just a, you know, two week break here or a soft tissue injury here and he's out for a game, like, I just can't justify spending first round value on a guy that I don't think that barring a freak injury is good to go every single week. So that, that was the only reason that I had him out, but he would have been a top 15 for me. No question about it. I just can't justify him being top 10. The, so the two that obviously were different, I had different order, but the two that dropped out for me from the Yahoo rankings, there was Aaron Jones ended up dropping out and Najee Harris. Both of them would have been in my top 15, but again, that top 10, I, I just like J.K. Dobbins and Antonio Gibson situations a little bit better. I, I lived the Jones experience last year. There's some weeks where he'll put up 30-plus points, and then there's other weeks where he's the most infuriating running back in the world to have because they'll get down to first and goal from the one, and he'll get pulled out of the game yeah. and, you know, goal line vultured or – Aaron Rodgers, just being the stat adder that he is, will decide I'm going to pass four consecutive times from the one yard line here. Like he was infuriating to have. And especially given the amount of hype that Dylan is getting in the preseason right now, do I really want to invest a first round pick in him? Probably not. Keep factoring in Rodgers is probably gone after this year. Adams is probably gone after this year. Do you want to maybe sprinkle in some extra Dylan touches and then reevaluate whether you even want Jones on your roster next year as well, as opposed to a full teardown, complete rebuild. It's now, you know, the love and Dylan show and whoever else they go and try and fill in that Lambo roster probably. So whether that comes through trade or some sort of financial maneuverings, I have no idea, but I just don't like the situation for Jones this year. And then Najee, like we said last week, toughest schedule in the NFL for the Steelers, revamped O-line. I like him. I like him a lot. But if I can get him as my second running back or my, you know, stud wide receiver one, and he's my second round pick, I'd probably be happy with that. But him being my first selection off the board, which would be a top 10 pick where Yahoo has him, I, I can't justify that one there at all. So. Yahoo has him as a top 10 pick or a top 10 running back? 
top 10 running back but if you're in a 12 team league i think the only other player that was they only had one other wide receiver in there so you know 10 running 10 out of the first 11 picks are running backs so if you're going with a uh, anything larger than a 10 team league he's going to be a first round selection based on adp right now based on yahoo but who's your stay away eric what situation do you hate the most in the nfl i'm going to defer back to what i mentioned earlier and pick the entire texans backfield (laughs) no surprise there we don't need to relive the texans experience we'll move on from that Mm -hmm. mine is actually the las vegas raiders i don't know what is happening out there you've got josh jacobs who if it was just him I love Josh Jacob. He, he's a good running back. I wouldn't take him in the first round or anything like that, but I would more than happy to have him on the scene. Him plus Kenyon Drake plus Jalen Richard, who is always involved in yeah. the passing down offense there. There's now too many mouths to feed. And until that murkiness really gets sorted out, that's a situation that at his current draft position, I, I can't take him. He's going 45th overall right now, which is insane to me. That's like a late third round pick for Josh Jacobs when you don't even know if he's going to be the starter or if he is the starter, how much is Kenyon Drake eating into him? So unless you can somehow get one of those picks at the turn where you're either like the first pick or the last pick in the round and you can go Drake and Jacobs, if I can do that in maybe the fourth round or something like that, that's something I'll look at. Cause then you've got it. Like who cares what you can even roster, maybe one as a starter and one as a flex, if you're really up against it in one week or bye week hell or something like that. But unless you can get some sort of clarity, I'm not spending 45th overall on a situation where he might not even be the starter. I'm with you. I, I like the Kenyon Drake signing was so confusing to me. I don't it was everything. He does me. I don't know what gap he fills, really, on that team. As you said, you know, Jalen Richards, a guy who was a third down back, a good receiving running back out of the backfield. You know, Josh Jacobs is is a good runner and he can receive it. I just don't know what void was was filled by by Kenyon Drake being there. And their offensive line has gotten worse. The offensive line got worse and they decided instead to get a Kenyon Drake instead of trying to help Jacobs out. Like it's, I don't understand it. Goofy signing. Yep. My uh, my keep away, Chris Carson. I know he's not necessarily high up on a lot of lists right now too, but he's a name still, and he's one of those guys that maybe if you're like going through the mid rounds, like oh Carson's still available, why not pick him? I don't know what Seattle's gonna do with their backfield right now. They still have Penny, they still have Collins there, and by all accounts, they love all three of them. And it's a new offensive coordinator there, and it's just like how exactly are they gonna? Give you up the ball and mid round guy at Carson still available. I would rather pick up a depth receiver, or just go in a completely different direction with running back than touch Seattle's right now. I mean, health injuries, health there too. Like, I mean, injuries over and over. Like, take your pick, Penny Carson, they're just always going down. I, Eric, I, I thought Eric was going to add something, but he was yeah. just mentally processing and just, <laughs> okay. I mean, my dark horse, we already kind of touched on it a bit. Um, Etienne for the Jags, who's nowhere near the top. 10. I don't know if he's going top 15 or not, but I think he could end up finishing top 10 just based on PPR, how many targets he could end up getting. I have another dark horse. I, it could be Harris in New England. I think he's been, from all accounts, the favorite to get the lead back spot there, but everyone's just so unsure about who's going to be the quarterback and what kind of weapons they have and what's Cam going to look like if he's a starter that we're kind of forgetting about the running backs there. But he was solid towards the end of the year last year. 
solid in training camp so far this year, he could be a sleeper. For me, I mean, my dark horse, I mean, maybe this shouldn't count because my dark horse is contingent on the run, starting running back getting injured. But again, I mentioned him before, a guy like Tony Pollard, I don't know. I feel like if he has the, if, if let's say Zeke goes down, he could be a, a top 10 running back. Hey, as a Eagles fan, you can put as much bad juju into the universe yeah. as you want on the <laughs> Cowboys here. That is no problem by me. He's just he's he's really good, and every time you 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 watch him play, he just get he picks up good good amounts of yards when he runs the ball. Yep. Again, he's running behind a great offensive line, but even last year when when their line wasn't super healthy in Dallas, he was running pretty well. I mean, maybe maybe it shouldn't be my dark horse because this is you know contingent on him actually getting the starting job, but I think he could be really really good. Well, I mean, if Elliot struggles, do you not think they just give him the ball more anyways? They should. <laughs> Elliot's showing the same four as he was last year. I don't see why they wouldn't. All right, my dark horse pick, Melvin Gordon, who is currently going 76th overall. So that would be early seventh round. So you're getting some value there. Last year of his contract, which I actually like, because he's only 28 years old, so you know he's going to be trying to go out there and prove something this year to sign one last deal, right? This is probably the time in life that unless you're a freak athlete running back, it's probably going to be your last contract. So it's got that extra financial motivation. And there's not a ton of experience behind him, especially with Philip Lindsay being shipped out of town as well, too, and going to the Houston Texans. So you got Javante Williams, Mike Boone, and Royce Freeman are the other options in the backfield in Denver. Now, Williams was their second round pick out of North Carolina this year. So obviously they're a little bit high on him to invest. I think it was like 35th overall that they selected him, but this is still likely Gordon's job to lose out of the gates. Now, if he struggles, get ready for Williams to come in by mid season. And it's probably his job all of a sudden. And then they just part ways in the off season because they don't have him on the books anymore. But if Melvin Gordon, who, I mean, nine touchdowns in 2020, so you're not going to have a ton of other double-digit touchdown threats in round seven, I would imagine, if you're looking at who's sort of going around his position there. So I like him based on his draft position, based on who's behind him, based on the fact that it's a contract year. And if they can finally figure out how to move the ball on offense through the air, whether that's Drew Locke or Deshaun Watson gets traded there or whatever the hell ends up happening. You it's know, all on lock. Yeah. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater comes in and steers the, <laughs> off. who knows they've got the weapons on offense passing wise. And if they can get that moving, that helps their run game significantly. So I like Melvin Gordon this year as my dark horse pick. Good dark horse. Good dark horse. Good way Good. to end the episode as mm-hmm. well too. Fantastic. So next week, We are going to be covering wide receivers as our position group, and we are going to go to the AFC and NFC West. So that is Greg's stomping ground there. So expect a lot of Chiefs-heavy content coming your way next week. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, tell a friend, follow us on social media. All of the handles are the same. They're all at Dynasty League, D-Y-N-E-S, ty league that's on all the social media platforms and we will see you guys next week